Matthew, the 16th chapter. If you've been here for the last few weeks, we've been started a new series, and it's called My Church. And that doesn't mean my church like David's church, but we're talking about his church and a statement Jesus made here in uh, Matthew 16, verse 18. It says this, and I say uh, to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And that's where we get the title from my church. He said, I will build my church. And he said, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. So we're going to go further this week. The first week we talked about what, what is the church. The church is not my church. We talked about whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. Why? Because it's his church. And so whatever we do, we're to do it as unto him. Amen? And we talked about this. What is his church? His church is not this building, but the church is the people that meet in the building. And last week we talked about how God, how, how is God building his church? It's a good question. Because, you know, you read a verse like this and you say, well, the Lord's building his church. Build it, Lord. And uh, you think, I prayed, build it. Well, how did he build it? We talked about how he invested in the church, in these people, by putting gifts in everybody, and then some he gave certain giftings in that body to help equip the people so they could do the work of the ministry. And we looked at different verses how that uh, certain spiritual people who are leaders in the church are set, and we saw these verses, how they should be set to the defense of the gospel so that there's a certain standard of truth that exists and doesn't diminish and go away because we looked last week how that people were drawn away and certain truth, truths actually stopped being in the church. If that happened when Paul was alive and Peter was alive, it could happen today. And then that question, well, why are churches different? Some of the reasons they're different is that very truth we talked about last week. And we talked about how that he was set for the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, and he was actually appointed for the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, which meant to minister confidence. Well, we know that comes from hearing the truth of God's word. So we're going to go further this week. If you will, turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Actually, stay right there for a minute. I'll read that verse again. Matthew 16, verse 18. He said, and I say to you, and he was talking to Peter, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will this is something that he will do. This is something that he is heavily invested in. This is something that he is working on to build his church. We said this, that the church that needs to be built is the individual person. In other words, people need to get saved, but then people need to get built up. If he's building his church and you're born again, then his business is to build you up. 
so that you can be built up, so you don't have to be weak as a Christian, so you don't have to be driven, tossed to and fro. We talked about that last week, how that those people were moved by the lies they were listening to and participating in, and it said, and we read where people were tossed, and what is it to be tossed? Moved where you don't belong. And we talked about how the truth can get you founded, grounded, if you'll participate with it, so you're not moved and you don't have to make excuses. Well, I'm just going to be weak and I'm going to be like the rest, this the rest of my life because that's just how I am. God doesn't want you to be that way. God didn't invest all this in the church for you to be weak and tossed to and fro all the remainder of your Christian life. I mean, all that's left. No, He wants you to have good character, not just be, oh, there's that character coming. No, have good character. Amen? He invested something in you because you're part of the body of Christ if you're saved, and then He invested gifts in the body for your very behalf. If you will read what Paul wrote about himself and the ministry that he had, he didn't say it was for himself. He said it was for you, meaning the people. You know, some people think, well, I want a gift like that. Then what you have to do then is serve if you have one because that's what it's for. It's for serving. It's for giving. It's not for keeping. And so when he invested in the church, Jesus invested in his church heavily. And when he invested heavily in his church, you could say this, he has made an investment heavily toward you and to a lost world. And so when he said, I will build my church, it's not David's church. It's not some big TV evangelist church. You, you out there? This is not, that's not the church. The church are born-again people, and the Lord has put people over local bodies, but they're only overseers, which we call under-shepherds, to the great shepherd. They're just being stewards over these people. In other words... They've been entrusted to people, they've been entrusted, you guys have been entrusted to me, but we need to understand you're still his people. You're still his church that he wants to build. And he wants you to be built, and he wants us as a whole to be built. And so go ahead and turn now to Ephesians 4. He said, I'll build my church. Jesus is directly involved, but this is not apart from humanity or mankind, you could say. And so Ephesians 4, and we'll read actually the same verses we read last week, but we're going to look at a couple of things in a different light. Ephesians 4 in the New Testament, and understand this, the New Testament should be our primary book, not our you know, that we look at, or part of the Bible we look at, because it was written to people who were born again, people who were part of the church. In the Old Testament, they weren't part of the church, but we know those scriptures are important in their right place. Notice this in Ephesians 
It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech or entreat you or beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, or you could say in kindness, in patience, in believing the best, because those are attributes of his love, not holding an account of something against people. And so he said, here's how believers should walk. They should have a certain attitude about them. And he said, I got an attitude about me. Now, this attitude he's talking about is defined in the second verse with all lowliness. Not trying to exalt yourself or, you know, why would we not want to exalt ourselves? It's not our thing. We talked about that. People seeking for praise and recognition, you know, we talked about how they'll get their reward here, but not there. Right? Jesus said that. He said, if you seek recognition and thanks, and when people give you praise, because that's what you want. Now, if somebody says, hey, that was a great sermon, as long as that's not what I'm living for, and the sermon was from God, then I can get a reward if my motives are right. And so we need right motives and not be doing this unto ourselves. So with all lowliness and gentleness, and notice this, and long-suffering. Long-suffering looks like, by definition, the same thing as patience. Patience, though, is usually connected to circumstances, and long-suffering is usually connected with people. And what does the word long-suffering or patience mean? It means being the same. Not being up and down, but treating people the same day in and day out. Not blowing up like, whoa, don't get around her. She hadn't had her coffee yet. <clears throat> you know? Whoa, be careful. Well, w- coffee or no coffee, we should have enough control over ourselves where we restrain ourselves at least. <laughs> you with me? Amen. And the people who said amen don't drink coffee, obviously. And so, no, I'm kidding. But he said, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Now, we're going to do this. Skip down to verse 7. It says, but to each one of us, Now, he's writing to the local church, which would apply to anybody who's saved. But to each one of us, each one of us, this wasn't like a responsibility dumped on this group. He said, we're all going to lift this and carry this load together. No, he said to each one of us, or you could say it like this, to each one of you. So it's not just one big thing right here, and we're going to move this mountain and here we go. No, he's basically saying each one of you has something. To each one, notice this, to each one of us, grace or ability was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. God in Christ gave every person in the church 
a grace gifting according to the measure he chose. They vary from one person to the other, uh, meaning the work that we're to do. And he gave each of us giftings, abilities that are from him. And notice this. He said, therefore, he says, in verse 8, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now this, that he descended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also he who ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill or fulfill all things. Verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Verse 12 goes on to say some things, and we'll look at that stuff in a minute. But if you notice, he said to everybody, he gave these gifts, a gift, all Verse 7 and 8, everybody in the church. But then in verse 11, he said, but to some. Notice he said to all, and then he said, but to some. That's not all, that's some. And there's a reason for that. Because those some, their gifts were invested in them by the Lord, to do certain things to equip those all who have something. In other words, the some giftings were given for outward works, but also works in the church for the all who have something. Somebody says, well, I don't have something. You do if you're saved. You just may not know what it is, but you do. And we're going to look at this here as we move on. And so he said, those some were given. Then he mentions what those some are. Notice it didn't say you get to choose. Oh, this is awesome teaching. I'm glad we're going over this. I'm wondering which one I'm going to choose. No, it didn't say you get to choose. He is building his church he invests things in people, and people don't get to choose what they get. They just get to choose to obey. You with me? That's what we get to choose. We get to choose to obey. And anything you've got as you follow him will bring fulfillment. I said it will bring fulfillment to you. We said this the other day in prayer, you know, where it says he's richly given us all things to enjoy. There are things in this world that we can enjoy, but I'll tell you what, there aren't a lot of things that fulfill, that just reach down inside and, so to speak, and bring fulfillment inside. Have you ever got done doing something that was really good and went, no, that was great, but it didn't connect spiritually? And so we need to understand, he did give us those things to richly enjoy, but you're not going to find real fulfillment in life until you're just doing what the Lord said, doing what you know. In other words, Jesus, when he was at the well one time, uh, at this well, and he wanted water in John 4, and so he asked this woman, and he started ministering to her, talking to her, and uh, 
he goes back and forth with her and, and explains things, and he's operating in this office of the prophet, and she's hearing stuff like, wow. She even said, I perceive you're a prophet. And then what happened was she, uh, she's there. Well, Jesus is there. His disciples come back, and they had actually gone into town to get him some food and to get them some food. You know, they went to KFC, and they brought back, you know, a basket of chicken. I don't know. That's what it was. I don't think they had KFC back then. And so, anyway, they brought back whatever it was, and they went to give it to Jesus, and he said, I have meat to eat of that you don't know about. He was the one who sent him to go get the food. And he said, I ate while you were gone. Wait a minute. You told us to go get some food, and then you ate while we were gone. What is this? He said, I have meat to eat of that you do not know. It wasn't that he didn't want him to know, or he would have just said, that's the end of the conversation. But he said, my meat or my fulfillment is to do the will of him who sent me, and really to finish my course, to carry it out. There is fulfillment in doing his will. Hey, if he gave us richly all things to enjoy, haven't you ever eaten certain things and you, you just went, man, that was enjoyable. But I've been in services, I've been in times of prayer, times where I was witnessing to people, worshiping the Lord on my own, and I was hungry going in, but I carried out that act of whatever that was spiritually, and this will be familiar to most people who have walked with God for a little while. You get done and you're like, man, I'm not even hungry anymore. I'm like totally fulfilled. I mean, I'm satisfied. And you wonder, I was like, you know, like they say, my stomach was rubbing against my backbone. I was hungry. I was that hungry. It was eating away at me. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm fulfilled. People notice this who serve God any length of time. I mean, not that we're asking for a show of hands, but I guarantee you people have done that. And it's not like a cure-all for hunger. Like, oh, that'll be great. But I do wonder if there's another side to that too. Like some of the hunger people have for natural things won't be fulfilled by natural things. It'll only be fulfilled by doing certain spiritual things. That, that's just a, just a thought. Serious. I know this in my own experience with God, walking with God, years and years ago, and I pay attention to this. Years and years ago, I remember I was at home, and I kind of felt like I should pray. I kind of knew I should pray. But I was kind of restless in my emotions, so I got up and thought, I'm going to go hang out with some friends and just talk to them. Go hang out with them. And I can still remember this. This is a long time ago, driving my car, driving up the street, thinking, oh, they're going to be here, and realizing I was looking to go get fulfillment in this fellowship when... I was not going to find it there. I was looking for natural fulfillment, natural fellowship fulfillment, and I was trying to f fulfill what was only going to be fulfilled by my spiritual fellowship. 
And I remember I turned around my car and I went home and started praying. And I remembered after I had spent that time, I didn't feel like, man, I got to go hang out with those people like I'm lacking something. Though I did go, but it wasn't like I was trying to get something from them and trying to draw something from them. I had been fulfilled. I, I had eaten, so to speak. I, I had been satisfied, and now I wasn't looking to man to do anything, but what I was looking for, I actually had found in the Lord. But there was such a fine line between the natural and the spiritual, just like with that eating. People need to recognize God gave us stuff richly to enjoy, but he didn't give it to fulfill us. I mean, there are things that he has for us to do, and that is where you'll find that deep fulfillment. I mean, spending time with God, witnessing, I mean, all different kinds of things. You know, what do you mean witnessing? Telling people about the Lord. I started learning that when I was young in the Lord. And I thought, wow, this is wild what this does for you. Now, we don't want to be selfish, but at the same time, he set it up that way. He set it up that way. He set it up so when you do whatever he asks you to do, there's something that happens in you and brings a fullness. When the children of Israel wanted it their own way, they demanded a king like everybody else. We need a king. We need what we see what they've got, but you've called, but he had called them to something else. And when they wanted it the way other people had it, and they didn't go after the spiritual thing, the Lord actually granted them their request and said, well, I'll give you a king just like everybody else has a king. But he said, but it will bring leanness to your soul. You know what leanness is? You know, we like that when it's a tenderloin steak. No fat or little fat. But when it's your own soul... We don't want it to be lean. We want it to be full. And doing God's will causes that. You won't find fulfillment. I mean, you know, you'll find enjoyment in things, but you won't really find fulfillment until you're really just going after it with God. You with me? And uh, it's there to be had. And, and sometimes I wonder if we get drawn here and drawn there and don't recognize that maybe it's more of a spiritual thing going on than just something natural. You with me? And so here in Ephesians, we're still here. We just kind of got a little sidetracked there. He gave gifts to men. But what's interesting, then he gave some to develop the body of Christ. And to do works outside the body of Christ too. To develop those people. Notice this in verse 11. And he himself gave some. Gave some. Remember the verse before in verse 7 and 8? To each one. That's to everybody. Here this is some. Some. Everyone. You don't choose. He chose. That's why I said it's his rich investment in his body. He's the head you're the body, the church, if you're born again. He, some people I wonder, oh, does God love me? He totally does. He demonstrated it when Jesus died. Some people say, I wish I had faith in that. Well, if you put your faith in Jesus, you already put your faith in God's love toward you. Then he has invested heavily in you, then invested heavily in other people for you. 
he cares about you, and he is endeavoring to work on his body, which is the church, which is you, the born-again believer. You just have to participate. You have to be around certain giftings and, you know, be in church and do certain things, and that's our role. But he has heavily invested in his body, the church. He hasn't invested in me per se, but he has put an investment in me for other people. And understand these are all parts of the body that have these investments. God, I mean, you think about it, God trusts people. When Timothy, if you read the writings of Timothy, when Paul was talking, he talks about how he was formally a certain type of person and way and how God entrusted him and really counted him, he said these words, counted him faithful, put him in the ministry. And this dude was jacked up. And before he ever got fixed, God invested in Christ in him, and he counted him faithful when he was unfaithful. He was throwing people in prison that were Christians or believers, part of the church. He was doing all this stuff, and the Lord counted him faithful. See, the Lord has faith in you. The Lord has faith in his people that they'll do what he commands them to do. He believes in you regardless of you. Paul thought he was doing the right thing, but the Lord had an investment in him and believed in him. I said he believed in him. Notice this, because we've got, we've got to move along. And he gave some, verse 11, to be apostles. That is the word sent one. Some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Notice verse 12. For the equipping of the saints. Now remember, the Lord gave you a gifting, but you need to be equipped in that gifting. He gave you, when you gave your life to Christ... Somewhere in that transaction, you got a grace gifting, and so you need to be equipped. You can be a fireman and not have a hose, a truck, an axe, a respirator, the oxygen tank, a helmet, whatever it is, the boots. You need to be equipped for what you are. And he has given these things, and he will help equip you. And how does he do it? By these ministry gifts. Notice, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, so that the saints can do the work. So the saints can do the work. For the edifying of the body of Christ. What does the word edify mean? It means to build up. What did Jesus say? I will Build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Think about that. He said, he put these things in people to build them up 
so that the body of Christ, which is individuals who are saved, can be built up. Well, we could say so that the enemy can't have his way in your life any longer. Anymore. I don't know about you, but that's good news. Because some people don't equate some things to the enemy. They, they don't think that condemnation is from the enemy. That's just me. That's my personality. No. That's a lie. And that's not from God. He doesn't want you to live in condemnation. He doesn't want you to live feeling inferior. Not when he set you right in Christ. Not when he washed you with his blood. And so lies are not of God. And truth will combat them. You with me? That's why we preach the truth. We preach Christ. Notice this verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, or literally means a fully developed, mature man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, the trickery of men in cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, even Christ. So we see here that these ministry gifts are given to develop you and to develop the body so it becomes a strong body, a strong church. That is God's will for you. Turn, if you will, and we're going to look at a couple of verses here before we close. You know, I've heard this over the years, and when we're talking about this, you know, people say, people say things like this. Well, we know that everybody's got a gift, and they'll say things, but... Um, I don't know what my gift is, and, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and I know this, that if you don't know what you're supposed to do, then what you need to do is do what you know you're supposed to do first, and if you do what you know you're supposed to do first, you'll start to know other things. What is one gift that's been given to everybody. And if there is a gift that's been given to everybody, then it does need to be developed or explained so people can use this that they have. This is a universal gift to everybody. Notice this in Colossians 4.17. An interesting verse Paul is writing. Remember, he is one who is called to develop saints. And so he said to this guy, or wrote a letter and told him to tell this guy. Notice this in verse 17. He said, say to Archippus, take heed or give attention to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. In other words, give attention to this ministry. This was a command from this person who was heavily invested of the Lord with a gift for people, and he told this person, give heed to this gift or this ministry that you have received in the Lord. 
And then he said, what was he supposed to do? What was he supposed to give attention to? He said, which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Because God's given us all gifts, and we're all going to give an account for the gifts we have, whatever we've done with them in the body. So he said, give attention so that you can fulfill it. So that when we get there, he'll say, well done. Good and faithful servant. What is a servant? One who serves or works. And so he said, give attention to this ministry that you've received that you might fulfill it. That you might fulfill it. See, every one of us is given something. I've been given something. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, then who suffers? Somebody said, you do, meaning me. Well, maybe in the sense of for eternity, I won't go to hell, but I wouldn't receive the rewards. But who else suffers? Humanity that I am set to affect. Because remember, whatever we do, we do it as unto him and not unto man. You with me? We're doing it unto him. We're doing it unto what he has planned and destined. So if he said to Archippus, take heed to the ministry, you know, pay attention to this ministry that you've received in the Lord, that or so that you may fulfill it or complete it or have it come to pass. How many of you would like to know, man, I'm doing the ministry that I'm called to? Well, like I said, there's people out there saying, I, I don't know what I was called to do. We're going to close with this set of scriptures here. We may take a few minutes here, but turn to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. And we're going to begin reading here. We're going to read about four verses. But we're going to notice something here, that this is a ministry that is given to every believer. That includes me. That includes you if you're saved. You have this ministry. And if you don't know any other ministry, we know this ministry is to you. Period. It's to me. If you've given your life to Christ, it's to you. In other words, he put this in your hands, so to speak. Now, he didn't put it in your hands. He put it in you, but it's, so to speak, in your hands. In other words, this is something that's been given to you and were to fulfill this ministry. Remember, he's building his church, but notice his building of his church is directly connected to his people in the church. Directly connected to the people in his church. So though he's building his church, and we'll see here how he works through his people in the church. Now remember, to build the church is to build people up, but also people need to get saved. And that'll build the church 
broad, so to speak, and then it needs to grow up. Notice this in 2 Corinthians 5, and we're going to begin reading in the 18th verse. It says, now, all things are of God. Now, what's he talking about these all things? He's talking about the person who has given his life to the Lord, that new things have come in him. He is a new creation in Christ. He's new. And so when he said, now, all things are of God, he's talking about this new creation, the person who's given their life to Christ. He said, he said, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Let me read that again. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us or brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of of reconciliation. What we're going to notice here in these next few verses as we read through them is there are two distinct things that are mentioned again and again and again. These two things are this. One, what God did in Christ for humanity. What God wants us to do or he, what he wants to do us to affect humanity. Those are the two things that he mentions here. The one is what he did. The other is the ministry, like when he said to Archippus, take heed to the ministry you've received. Here is a ministry that we all need to understand. We should never say, I don't know what my ministry is. We should all know that at least this ministry is mine. I mean, you think about it. Why would God heavily invest this into everybody in his church? Because we have kids in the church that they will, can reach people you cannot. You know, I mean, you're 40 years old. You don't get to go just walk out onto the playground, jump on the swing at the school and start swinging and talking to little kids. You can get in trouble for that. Right? You don't get to just go into some factory down the street and just walk into the warehouse and start talking to people. Now, if God directed you, you could. But on a daily basis, the person who works with them has the opportunity. The person who plays on the playground with the other kids, our kids in our children's church, get to swing on the swing, but they get to talk to their friends. Why? Because they have this gift too. No matter where you're at, there is a uniqueness about you. There's a uniqueness about you because you are the only one who fills your shoes. I mean, unless your little grandkid, you know, or child steps in them, but that's only temporary. There's only one who fills your shoes because there is a time you're not with someone else, so you are so where someone else is not. In other words, even if a spouse is with you all the time, there's still places you go that they don't go. You still have opportunity they don't have. That's a fact. And so Christ has an investment in you for the edification of his body to do what? Get people to the Lord. Somebody said, well, I just don't know how to do that. Well, that's why we can work together. If you bring them, we can give the message. 
But you could also lead them to him and then bring them so they can get built up. Notice this investment in humanity, even though it's the Lord building the church. And it's not just humanity, it's his people. Notice this. Now all things, verse 18, are of God who has reconciled us or returned us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. The message of coming back to God. Two things. What Christ did, what man is to do. Notice verse 19. That is, now he's going to explain these two things. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or holding and adding up their trespasses to them. And, this is the second part, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, here's an interesting thing. He takes it further here and says the ministry is actually a message. This ministry of reconciliation is a message. Have you ever heard this? Just live the life in front of them, and if you need to speak something, then speak it. Anybody ever heard that? That catchy phrase? It's out there. Here's the thing about that phrase that's wrong. It's not live it in front of them, and if you have to say something, say something. You haven't been committed this ministry and maybe say something and only live it. No, this ministry is directly, directly connected to saying something. Living something is important, but saying something without them knowing they cannot be saved. So it's not just living it, it's saying it. It's telling. That's why I think we have to be careful about catchy phrases because they sound real good. Just live it in front of them. If you need to tell them, then tell them. No, you need to tell them. Live it in front of them. You, there's no other way they can be saved. Paul said it like this in the Bible, through the foolishness of preaching, men will be saved. You were committed I was committed the message of reconciliation. What is the message? God did a work in Christ. He's not holding your sins against you anymore. He's done something about it. All you need to do is receive Jesus. Because you ever hear people say, I don't know enough? That's all you need to know. Jesus already did something. God did something in Christ. He already paid for it. It's already taken care of. You just have to receive him. That's it. And he'll change them. Notice this. Verse 20. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20 and 21. Now he's about to explain these two things, but one in each verse. Notice this. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now he's explaining our role. We are ambassadors for for Christ. You, what is an ambassador? One sent from another land to do the deed of that kingdom or that country in a foreign land. You are an ambassador from Christ. You've been commissioned from another land. The Bible tells us our residency is in heaven. That is where our eternal home. So we are ambassadors. P 
Peter said it this way, you're strangers and foreigners in this land. So don't freak out if they don't go by your customs, your ways, the way he has called you to live. Yeah, but nobody else is living like this. Right, because you're a foreigner. The only time you're not a foreigner is when you're in heaven. While you're here, you're a foreigner. I said, you're a foreigner. You're a foreigner here. We speak the same language. They don't speak the same language we do. So we, we make it real simple. Just because they don't speak. You ever been, on, been overseas? I've been overseas a number of times. I don't know why. I still think I do this. But I try not to. But I think there is something inherent in humanity because it happens. It just comes out of everybody. Virtually. That. If you slow down and talk like this, or you raise your voice, they understand you. <laughs> no, they, they still don't. I remember this lady was watching Christian TV. I was at the shop, and I'm like, I'm a Christian. T- I'm a Christian, too. And I'm like, hey, I'm a Christian too. It didn't change anything. She didn't know anything. I have to make it simple in her language. So don't go, glory to God, hallelujah, praise the Lord Jesus. You don't have to know anything complex to win somebody to the Lord. God already did something for you. If you'll call on Jesus, you can be saved. That's it. Real simple. Man, I'm so glad. You, you don't have to tell them about speaking in tongues and tell them about how, oh, yeah, you prayed for this guy. He fell over. He looked like he was dead on the ground at church. He's like, really? Serious? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. It was like we were singing. It was like there were angels singing, too. They're like, oh, my. What? Simple message. We're, I mean, we are connected to another land, and we might be familiar with that land, but that's not what we go preach to them. We don't have to tell them who the Antichrist is. And if you know who he is, I'd appreciate you telling me. I'd just... (laughs) Be curious if we think it's the same person. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, we just speak their language and make it clear. Everything that has separated you from God, Jesus did something about it. Doesn't matter how you're hurting, doesn't matter where you're at. He's already done something. If you call on him, you can be saved. Then you can come and grow in God. And if you don't even feel like doing that part, or I shouldn't say feel, because that, that's not good to say. Oh, I didn't feel like it. Oh, that's why they went to hell. All right. No. No. Meaning you can bring them and they could get saved. Because we have this ministry together too. But notice he said now then we are ambassadors for Christ. That's good to know. So you don't have to wear a skirt as short as they do because... The land we come from has modesty, but I guarantee you the land we come from, people look good too, meaning they take, they're taken care of and stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is, we're ambassadors from another land. 
were employed by God, and he didn't just give you a job, he gave an investment in you. And then he makes this tremendous statement right here. This is a fact. This is God's word. This is a fact. As though God were pleading through us, we implore or beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled or return to God. In other words, you need to come to God. He's done something, and you're to plead that with people. But it's interesting, he just throws that little statement as though God were pleading through you. Remember, God did a work through Christ. Now he's doing a work through you. We'd all agree that the work he did in Christ was powerful. But what you need to do is if you'll witness to somebody, you'll find that all of a sudden as you're witnessing, I found this over the years. When you talk to people, you'll start going, wow, that was powerful. (laughs) That was awesome. And you'll be saying stuff and you'll be like, well, I didn't even know I knew that. Why? Because this ministry is an investment from him and he will plead through you. He'll work with you. Well, what exactly do you say? You just open your mouth. Now, don't go up to him and go, I'll hope my pastor said, open your mouth. He'll fill it. They might stick their finger in there and go, eh. No, you just start talking. As you get going, all of a sudden, you'll recognize, man, I'm saying some pretty cool stuff. Don't get too impressed with yourself because it's not you. (laughs) I'll show you how this is done. No, this is God working through you, and you'll recognize him working through you. You will. And you'll get done, and you'll think, wow. When I was saying this, it was like, whoa. Yeah, because it's as though God will plead through you. And it's not just as though he will. He will. And notice this. Verse 21 is the other side. That was what the ministry that you've been given to do, I've been given to do. Verse 21 is, for he made him, this is the work that Christ did. Remember I said there's two things that are mentioned you know, through here. Two things, two things. Then he flip-flops them, reads the ministry we have. Now he's going to talk about the work he did. This is the ministry of reconciliation. This is what we're telling people, and this is what he did. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, every one of us, that we might become, King James says, be made the righteousness of God in him or in Jesus. When you receive Jesus, you're as righteous as you'll ever be. You're back in good standing because of Jesus. Jesus. 